This is the Post Pitch Podcast, the podcast that dives into what it's really like to give an elevator pitch to high-powered investors. I'm your host, Billy Berrios. On this show, we talk to contestants from the show Entrepreneur Elevator Pitch immediately after they pitch their business to titans of industry, looking for hundreds of thousands of dollars in investment. Sometimes they rise to greatness and sometimes they fall from glory, but they've always got a story. Today's episode, we have Sam from Bitewell, the world's first digital food pharmacy. That's pharmacy with an F. Before we get into our conversation, let's give a listen to the 60-second pitch she did in the elevator. Hi, I'm Sam, the CEO and co-founder of Bitewell, and we're on a mission to improve the world's health through food. Did you know that over 75% of U.S. healthcare costs go toward treating diet-related diseases? That's over $3 trillion spent on diabetes, obesity, heart disease, all of these diseases that can be treated or prevented through food, which is why we created BiteWell, the world's first digital food pharmacy. We do everything a traditional pharmacy does just for food. So we fulfill food prescriptions, or if you need advice on how to manage your cholesterol through food, you can ask our AI-powered food pharmacists. This is the future and it's working. This year, our launch year, we did almost a million dollars in revenue, and next year's projections are nearly 5x that. We're seeking a million dollar investment for 5% stake of our company. So investors, if you believe the future of health is food and you're interested in accessing this half a trillion dollar market, send me up. So welcome. Welcome to another edition of the Elevator Pitch Podcast. I'm your host today. With me, I have Sam from Bitewell. Hey. Sam, thanks for hanging with us today. And don't think we don't see you, PR. We see you back there too. <laughs> We're all going to get that out of the way. So we got a good team behind us here. And of course our producer TP right here next to us. So take me through, we're going to start with a little bit of that experience, getting prepared, getting that pitch ready. You've probably given this pitch a thousand times. Anyway, tell me about the elevator. What happens when you get in there? Yeah, sure. Um, I have given this pitch a thousand times, but never in timed 60 seconds. And so when I was preparing, I was like doing my regular spiel, right? And I timed myself and I'm like, oh, it's 90 seconds. Mm -hmm. I got to cut. And so I'm trying to figure out what to cut, what to cut, what to cut. And when you're, you know, when it's your business, everything feels like a precious, special snowflake of information that you can't possibly cut because mm -hmm. how could they understand exactly. if you cut it? Um, so I did a bunch of cutting. Pilar, who's off camera. Hi, Pilar. <laughs> Helped me figure out what to what to put in, what to take out. I pitched my husband. I pitched my dogs. I pitched anyone who would hear, anyone who would listen. Um, and I felt very prepared going into the elevator. Mm -hmm. I'm a preparation person, um, and I have an acting background. I went to NYU Tisch. Um, awesome. So that helps. That helps. Yeah. That helps. And I like to be prepared. But still, when I walked into the elevator and the voice was talking to me or whatever saying three two one i felt that nerves in the pit of your stomach that mm. i was not expecting to feel I'm like all right sam get it together um but the pitch went great it did, it it, did. yeah and really that's where the the hard part starts getting out of the elevator is step one but now you have to get into the boardroom and now you have the opportunity to really lay it down of course they're going to ask numbers you had all your numbers ready to go what is your takeaway from your boardroom experience getting out of the elevator? I have to think about it because I feel like I've, I blacked it out. <laughs> well, uh, let me ask. Let you're me so present. You don't realize. Um, I, 
Okay. So the elevator doors opened and Kim is the one who ended up doing the deal. And she was really leaning forward and smiling and and talking um, at the beginning of the pitch. And so I'm like, okay, I know Kim's into it. Um, and so I was really taking cues from Kim. And other questions came through. And of, of course, I was answering them. But I could tell kind of that Kim was getting more and more invested in the deal as we were going on. And so it became clear that that's where the deal was going to come from. Mm-hmm. Um, and that shifted a little bit my approach because I wanted to make sure that I was really focusing on getting any questions that she was asking answered so that we can get the deal done in the room. Mm-hmm. And tell me about that deal. How do you feel about it? I feel good. I mean, we went in asking, we, we've we just raised a $4 million round in the spring. And so we have runway. I went in asking for a million um, because that's what I think I'd like to add. But we can we can pull that together in other ways from existing investors from mm-hmm. from other people who weren't able to get into the round when we closed it in the spring, um, and so I I'm just really glad to have Kim on board. I feel like she has fantastic relationships. She's going to help open some great doors for us. I mean, that's she's where she seemed she's very, very passionate. Very passionate about this. Yeah, that's where we we see that the money's always great. It's always like the money's probably already spent by now. What the takeaway of these um, elevator pictures is the time, their resources, their knowledge, yep. uh, who they can get you in touch with. I yeah. think that holds so much more value than any kind of dollar amount that they can bring to the table. Yeah, it absolutely does. So tell me about your back previous, because you, you, the way you're going about this, you've done this before. Have you sold a company? Have you raised money before? Have you, or is this the first time? So I'm a first time founder. My co-founder, Chris, who I didn't get to talk about in the boardroom, um, has this is his third, third like big company, and he started other companies along the way. So he knows what's up. How'd you meet Chris? Um, a very funny, weird story. So it's mid-2020. I think COVID. COVID. Co- depths of COVID, despair. I think everyone was in 2020. I don't know about you guys, but was reevaluating how they wanted to spend their life and their time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was too. Um, and I was working at Smashbox Cosmetics at the time. We were working on a big marketing campaign for a foundation product. And I I assume maybe incorrectly that neither of you wear foundation. Uh, not currently, not no, today. Not today. Not today. Um, but no one wore foundation in 2020 because everyone was on zoom and the zoom filters took care of what foundation would normally do and so it was like it was a tough moment for the makeup industry um but we ended up doing like this really cool virtual ar filters campaign for the product um that got some press and i posted about it on linkedin and a friend of a friend from middle school, I kid you not, reached out to me on LinkedIn and was like, hey, Sam, I saw that you did this AR marketing campaign. I'm starting a shoppable AR company. I would love Estee Lauder to be a client. Can we talk? So I'm like, sure, of course. So I get on the phone with this guy who I knew was a kid and his company was really cool. So I started um, getting on the phone with him and his co-founder and doing a little bit of light advising for them. And I promise this story comes back to Chris. <laughs> um, his co-founder on a late night call was like, Sam, I think you need to quit your job. 
do you have any interest in food? And I'm like, yeah, I love food. He's like, but what about healthy food? I'm like, yes. And I told him a little bit about myself. He's like, there's this guy. His name's Chris. I think you two would work really well together. I'm going to connect you. And that's how I met Chris. Wow. Um, isn't that an insane that's story? Insane. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and so that was how many? That was 2020? That was mid-2020. And Chris had been working on BiteWell um, early versions of BiteWell. BiteWell was originally like a healthy food delivery app and then it became something else. And like it's evolved many, many times mm. before we got here, um, before I came on board. And we started working together. We worked together throughout the entire second half of 2020 while I was still doing my other job. Mm -hmm. um, and then I decided to quit in January of 21 and we've been so building together ever since. That's amazing. That's a great Well, that's story. a good segue into BiteWell. And before we get there, I'm going to give you a little bit of background. I spent six years in health and wellness selling online technologies for incentive programs mm. through big insurance companies yep. into corporations of 5,000 or more. So I was like a wellness tech broker selling Humana Go365, yep. selling Virgin Pulse. Yep selling all those incentive-based yep. EPN models, yep. you know, three to five bucks per, uh, getting them installed in, in big hospitals to increase just their overall wellness. And every one of those bits and pieces had a little bit of a food app, a little bit of a, what are you putting in your body kind of thing. So uh, I, I know a little bit of that, uh, of that model and that pinged me immediately on, on using that technology, they get points, points turned into their marketplace mall yep. and just a good morale booster, good uh, attack it on to the end of insurance benefits kind of things. Mm -hmm. So tell me how BiteWell works into that space yeah. and uh, just take me from a little bit of a, a, a pitch yeah. without a clock, without a confined no or clock. AI voice. I get my full 90 seconds. Full whatever. <laughs> the, the floor is yours on BiteWell. Before I answer your question, and I will, um, I'm curious because you were in the space, what did you see as the adoption and engagement rates for those programs? That hit me. So you said 5%. I thought it was much lower. Yeah. 5% was generous. 5% was generous. Yeah. This is an added value product for all their medical, their vision, their dental. Mm -hmm. And our engagement rate for those was was low. And we had all the statistics saying if they participate in these incentive programs, they will get healthier. Well, if uh, take an employee person, uh, employee group of 100 people, you're going to have 10 people using it. That wasn't enough to do it. So... We'd get, we'd sell a lot in, and then after year one, they'd be like, when is our contract up? Mm -hmm. Because only 10 people are using it. So the engagement rates for people just to take place, and we're not, we're not, engagement could be converted as them just downloading something or, or going to uh, getting blood tests, uh, learning about their LDL or HDL. That's engagement. That would like kick things off, but we couldn't get people to simply engage in the program. Yep. How does BiteWell get that engagement done? I have two words for you. Free food. I was going to say marketplace. Free, have, yeah. Marketplace. Free, Free food. food. Free food. And then that 91%. It's, it's not a, it's not a, a, an educational thing or it's not a, it's a marketplace that's providing the food for free and, and it's healthy. And what I loved about what you said was, you know, there's so many apps that can, tell you this dish was this, but when it's a, a dinner plate, how do you know? 
Oh, restaurants. You said restaurants. Yep. Restaurants. Tough to kind of restaurants. Out what you're so eating. tough to figure yeah. out. So, okay. I'll give you the whole spiel and the why, because that was the thing that really dissuaded us from a long time for going B2B and from going healthcare was the very low adoption and engagement rates on these programs. And it's a shame, right? Because if you if you want to, we're very mission driven. And if you want to change the way that the world eats to change the health of the world, you really either have to go through the food industry or through the healthcare industry is what we thought. And so we started kind of initial concepts of Bite while we're through the food industry. Like, let's make a new version of Uber Eats, but only healthy stuff. And what we realized when we tried to go that route is there are like 6 million food delivery platforms. No one in the world needs another one. They've already perfected the logistics, the delivery, the driver networks. Like, we're not going to be able to compete on that front. Um, and we would have to get over all of those hurdles before our value add, the like nutrition, we call it nutrition intelligence, before the nutrition intelligence becomes valuable. And so what if instead of competing with those guys, we integrated with them, we pulled all of their food supply into our marketplace. So we're kind of this mega market of food. We curate all of that supply so that it's only the healthy stuff and we can use our nutrition intelligence to do that curation on an individualized basis. And if we did that, then our best-selling route would be through healthcare or direct-to-consumer, which mm. is like very expensive on the marketing front. Again, so much noise, so much noise. So we were like, all right, we got to figure out healthcare. And if we're going to figure out healthcare, we need to figure out adoption and engagement. How can we get people to actually like download this thing mm. and use it or log in and access it? I'm like, well, when I worked at a company, I would do a lot for free food. I would come into the office oh, for free food. A I would room, food conference room. I don't care what the topic was. Are you going to feed me? Yeah, I'll listen to you. Everybody's there. Everybody's there for free food. And yeah. so we're like, well, can we use that? Can we use people's draw to free food to get them to do something that's healthy for them? And so when we engage with an employer or an insurance provider, or or more recently with um, primary care providers, um, when we contract with them, they cover the subscription or the membership to Bitewell's Digital Food Pharmacy. And then they'll cover either a set stipend of food dollars that you can use every month. So all I have to do is email you and say, hey, you have $50 to spend on food sitting in your Bitewell account. Activate it today. Of course, they're going to do that. Sure. Or for do companies they lose that- it? Do they lose it if they don't use they it? They lose it if they don't use yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that program. Yep. Yeah. They lose it if they don't use it. So it's either a, a stipend model or it's a rewards model. And it's like, all right, we're going to give you 10% off of everything. And the healthier the food that you purchase, the more points you earn, those points turn into dollars and you can cash them in for more food. So there are two models that we're playing around with. Eventually, I think we'll land on on one of those or both of them. Um, but that's how we do it. That's how we get people well, well, to do my, it. So smart. Let me, let me get right to the meat. How do you make money? Two ways. Free so, food. Free no. <laughs> food. No. Subscription model. Subscription uh, model. Right. Two two ways, right? Yeah. So subscription, which is a you know, basically hundred percent gross margin, minus some credit card processing fees. Um, and then a take rate on the food. And that is interesting. Um, because our integrations, and this came up in the boardroom too, 
our different integrations with our different supplier partners means that that take rate can be as high as 25 and mm-hmm. as low as five, or even like we have one that's three. Um, but it's a really good name. Or yeah, restaurant. but it's a really good partner and it gives us access to hundreds of thousands of different restaurants. What, but um, access. I mean, we're talking the big chains that yep. you're going to hit you over the head with the low take rate. Exactly. Yeah. And so we blended our take rates about 12%. So we have this like 100% gross margin subscription piece of the business and then a 12% take rate piece of the business. Mm-hmm. But it depends like who your accountant is and how you want to slice the numbers. If you just look at the take rate as top line revenue, then the gross margin on the take rate is also like 100%. Right. And so... Um, it can be a very high gross margin business or a moderate gross margin business, depending on how you want to slice mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. onion. Let me ask you, let's switch to the marketing side. Because yeah, I please. I imagine it's going to be a, a, a challenge to because part of it is educating mm-hmm. right, of consumers. I'm talking about. Not yeah, even, yeah. You're, you're, yeah, totally. Then, so educating the consumers on why it's so important to eat healthy food, right? Because, I mean, your story, right? When you're 12 years old, you ex- experience that. But the other part is... How do you get those? Because those, and I don't know if that's like a the relationships with the with the insurance agents agencies and stuff. That's got to be a, a tough angle to go. Is that partly why you wanted an, at, at one of the um, investors was to navigate you through that side of it? Yeah. And then from the marketing side, tell me what you're doing and how is it short video because it, content with food is exciting. Yep. Good, you know? Yep. Can I answer a quick question on yeah. that one? Yeah. Dealing with the insurance carriers is not fun. <laughs> I'll just I'll just keep it like that. It can be challenging. We have great partners though. We we have partnerships with some plans, both large national plans and local plans. Um, I before stepping into this knew nothing about the world of insurance brokers and consultants. What is this world? What is this industry? But they've become our best friends. Um, and we're a great differentiator for them. They can say, hey, swap out this program that 10 people are using for a program that 90% of your people are going to use. So we've made lots of friends um, and that helps us from a marketing perspective. Um, It helps them. It helps them and it helps us. The the insurance carriers love these added value, voluntary benefits, you know, the, the vision, the medical, the dental, those are standard. Then as they're pitching during uh, enrollment, they're say for, $2 $2 to $5, you can have 20 different ideas that'll, yep. that'll be taken out of your paycheck and we will manage for you. Yep, exactly, exactly. So in terms of marketing to consumers and going back to your question about um, getting people to understand that eating well is important, I actually think a lot of that work is being done for us. Like the last five years, really, 20 if you're if you're really on the fringe or the cutting edge, but five mainstream people have really figured out that food is a a major part of the equation. And it's starting to enter health conversations in the same way that fitness was 20 years ago and mental health was 10 years ago. So our bet is that the market is is growing around us and doing a lot of the consumer education for us. So they want something, but they want it to be fast and they want it to be easy and they want it to be cheap, inexpensive, Mm -hmm. right? And we can deliver on those Mm -hmm promises, which breaks down barriers around nutrition for the user. The um, What we're finding on the B2B side that's really interesting is, um, or I guess not that interesting, but we were surprised, is that the larger nationals 
take a lot of time. There's there's a matrixed situation there. Um, but a lot of the regional players, a lot of um, more kind of local healthcare providers. You know what a provider is? Yeah. I know you. I, yeah, I'm sure you do. No, so There's more boutique areas that will offer the same kind of benefits, just in a more personal way. I mean, you pay pay to play. Yeah. So the providers are like. Um, if you have a healthcare provider network like a Kaiser Permanente, and then they also offer a, a health insurance plan, mm-hmm. um, that's a combination of a payer, a health plan, and a provider, payvider. Um, so a lot of the regional and local payviders are looking for differentiators from the big national guys. Um, they can't always compete on price, but they can compete in these areas by by giving added value, by really looking at whole person medicine, integrative medicine, lifestyle medicine. Um, and those have been areas of, of a lot of success for us. All right. Let's um, tell the audience where they can find you, where they can follow you. How can they learn more about you? Absolutely. Okay. So I, again, am Sam. If you want to follow me, I'm most active on LinkedIn. I don't know if you all are, um, but you can find me, Samantha Citro Alexander on LinkedIn. I post Bitewell updates. I post me updates. Bitewell also has a really big LinkedIn presence. And if you want, if you're listening and you want your employer to offer Bitewell as part of your benefits package, you can send the link to bitewell.com to whoever your HR benefits person is and tell them to book a meeting with us. Um, and we would love to get you set yeah, up. Yeah, go right to the hardworking HR ladies and the corporations. That's where you want to get to. Yeah. Great. Pilar, what else? What else can we add? Oh, oh gosh. Um, hmm. oh, yes. <laughs> we should talk about the food health score. I could, yeah. Yeah. Not a yeah. ton. Let's yes. talk about like why, um, yeah, that's your, I feel like we have to talk about Let's do it. Food health score. So take me through that user, let's go user scenario. I have bite well, I want to get that food score. What am I entering? I'm sure I'm entering screens of my habits, I'm drinking, I'm eating, and that's going to generate a food score. Take me through that user experience of uh, where am I entering? What kind of fields am I entering? Yeah. So um, just to back up for the audience, so we have created a proprietary metric that we call the Bitewell Food Health Score. There are some other food scoring systems that work red, or that are out there, red, yellow, green, or like zero to 100, but they, if you and I are looking at the same oatmeal bowl, that oatmeal bowl is going to be scored the same for you and for me and for everyone in the world on those other systems. That's where Bitewell's system is different. So if we're looking at the same oatmeal bowl and I have one health condition and you have another health condition and you have a health goal and you have an allergy, the scores are going to be different for all four of us depending on our individual needs. And it's that score that we use to help you navigate through the digital food pharmacy marketplace, right? So we're only showing you things that are scored above a certain score for you. To access your food prescription or your food rewards dollars, it has to be above a certain score for you. And that is what- So it, I have to qualify. You have to qualify. Yep. The food has to qualify for you, for it to be benefits accessible. I didn't get to talk about this a lot in the I, morning. I live on tacos like, and burritos and Chipotle, maybe a little Chick-fil-A honey mustard sauce. I'm not qualifying. You're, you're not qualifying. <laughs> Those. It's not you. It's the food. Yeah. It's not you. It's the food. The food is not qualifying. Sam, a lot of it's me. We, I eat like shit. We can help. We can help. Um, but what's what's interesting about that and why we did that is because when you combine free food, right, over here, incentive, 
with this gate of like, you can only get free food if it's this, if it's this suited mm-hmm. for you, you start to see real behavior change. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't get to talk about that in the boardroom either because like, my God, that really flies the time in the boardroom. And we talked a lot about adoption and engagement, but. Well, that's any, where. Any, that's, studies on that? Is hmm? there anything that you could show? We do. That's. Yeah. The, yeah. The true sell for the wellness technology that I was brokering mm-hmm. was that if I get your employees to be healthier, their claims cost is coming down. Yep. Claims cost is a big key word of them paying out of their corporate pocket because you have an unhealthy um, employees. Exactly. They're going to the doctors more. They're having bigger surgeries. If we get them to do one thing, okay, then those claims costs. So our reduction of claim cost sell was you adopt this program, your reductions would be going, your claims costs would come down 15%. Yep. For a corporation of 5,000 or more, they're playing two to $3 million in claims costs. Yeah. So we would put a number on that. They'd be like, I get it. Yep. Yeah. And we do the same. So we use that food health score metric to help people understand the behavior change component. And then we slice that food health score metric down by different health conditions to help them understand the cost savings. And so what we say, and um, what's unfortunately true, because we ran this massive cross-sectional study of American food behavior over the last 15 years, um, we were able to get our hands on a really great data set. And our food health score runs from zero to 10. That's the scoring range. The average American, do you want to guess what the average American's baseline food health score is? Two. Not that bad. No. Not that 16. bad. 16. Out of 10? It's one I mean, to 10. Oh, 10. <laughs> um, Not that good. No, it's 4.9. That's like a 49% on a test. It's like a fail. Yeah. So we tell our partners that. We're like, all right, we're going to set the baseline for your team. And we do that through a a series of questions that we ask about what foods you normally eat. And you're going to tell me that you eat Chick-fil-A and you eat Chipotle and you eat burritos and whatever. And we're going to score that for you. And we're going to give you a baseline. And then our goal is to improve that by one point in the first 12 weeks. If we can improve that by one point in the first 12 weeks and then continue improving that by points or half a point over the course of the year and years that we're working together, that food health score ticks up. And then we have a, a correlation that came from that study that says for someone with heart disease, if you improve the food health score from a 4.9 to a 6.5, you should see these things happen, which result in this reduction in claims. And so we can kind of like piece that all together to give you a um, a perspective or a hypothesis on how much we can save you if it's you invest. It's the ROI in conversation. Yeah. And it's shockingly high. Like, you know how the investors were shocked by our adoption engagement numbers. Our HR professionals are shocked by the ROI numbers. And it's because it is shocking. Like, we're spending so much money on pharmaceuticals and surgeries and hospital visits and all of these things to treat our sick population. When if we just gave them like $200 a month to spend on food. The right and food. The right food and reinforced the right food a lot of that would drop away. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. And most countries, not most countries, but other countries outside of the U.S. have food more figured out than we do. Yes, they do. I see the path going right to health. And then forget about health. What about the cost of health insurance? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, the macro. that Skyrocketing out of control. Do you want to know something super interesting? Um, in France, they actually have food benefits. So if you work for a French employer, they either need to give you access to a cafeteria for multiple meals a day of healthy food, 
or they have to give you a stipend. And I think it's like 50 euro a day for you to spend on healthy food so that you stay productive in the workplace. Viva la France. I, I, I still go to Chipotle France or Chipotle France and eat like but shit. But your card won't work. They, oh. give, they give it to you on a card, on a, like a food benefits card. Um, what about um, partnerships, collaborative, like relationships with other other companies that are working with insurance? Um, I'll give you an example. Have you heard of Papa? No. Papa's a really interesting, a friend of mine just took a job in, and they're out of Miami. Mm -hmm. um, and he took a job as the C chief uh, commercial officer. Okay. And so I'm learning more recently about Papa. They're probably going to hire us. We're going to do some work with them. But basically their model is, uh, it's a companionship uh, model. So in other words, so, uh, my mom's uh, 76. She's by herself, uh, lives in a, in a room by herself. And my mom's probably a bad example. So we have four boys that are right near her. So we're, we're always, she has four kids that we always visit. But there's a lot of lonely, you know, companions just to play cards with and do that. So what Papa is, is they get pop, the pals, they call them pals. Yeah. And and they sign up and they get, it's a, 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 you know, almost like an Uber type thing for where they, those pals now go to, and spend, it could be just going shopping, being able to hmm. go grocery shopping. Yep. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a like really Meals on Wheels, but for companionship. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, and the Papas, you know, get paid. It's all done through insurance. So they deal with the insurance. Yeah. So I think it might be a good connection. To bring them good, healthy meals. Well, collaborative. No, no, no. What I was saying is just their target end user. A joint the, sell. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like um, bundle bundle this set of uh, voluntary mm. benefits yes. together. Because look, it's both improvement. One's more on the, I'd say, mental health side of it. Theirs. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. The, the food yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's going to change your mood. It does. It absolutely does. Either way, both are using tech, yeah. technology, and it's improving the world. It's making the world a better place. So yeah. there could be some, maybe not, but it's worth at least you know, connecting out. and seeing if there's anything there. Yep. We've, we've thought about that. Those like bundling opportunities. Cool. We have one, um, actually very large one that we're currently trying to figure out um so hopefully you'll see that hit in 2024 and that would give us access to about 20 million lives is it chipotle no <laughs> i mean Sorry. like some oh, things from, some things from chipotle some, okay. all right like you don't have to stop going to chipotle yeah. just like do you do extra sour cream extra cheese all extra, of it yeah the guy tried to roll my burrito and it broke yeah, maybe like one fewer. Yeah, to use a new, hit a double wrap it. Hit a double wrap it. Come on. I'm sorry. Does anyone need that much food? I did. I ate the whole thing, and then I took a nap. <laughs> but then you took a nap. I did. Yeah. And just went. You know, I'm a fat piece of shit. <laughs> no, we don't want that. We don't want you thinking that about yourself. But I'm happy. It makes me happy. You know, that's where I battle. Really, I, I, I've been in this health and wellness game for a long time and and i've kind of i've given up in in this one facet food makes me happy same i but, love food but healthy food makes you real happy makes you really happy what's your favorite food all of it <laughs> um i think i'm uh i spent 12 years in la and i, I i'm a sucker for a a, a street food truck double corn tortilla taco 
that has like a off the trompo slicing the chicken with a little onion and a splash of pineapple with cotija cheese. None that's of, my jam. None of that sounds terrible to me. No, no, but you eat 20 of them, maybe. Yeah. I mean, moderation. Moderation. <laughs> moderate. I love food. I am the biggest foodie. I'm also a food snob. Oh, I'm, I'm super like snobby on a food. food. Oh, yeah. Quality snob. I'm like, I won't eat. Nope. Nope. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to eat it, if I'm going to indulge, then I want it to be absolutely delicious. And of course I do. Like, I eat chocolate cake. I do all the things that regular people right. do. Right. It makes me happy. Let's but I also, it. like, when I was prepping for this show, is, is a great example. And PR can attest. I'm not lying. Yes, I can. Um, when. Whatever it is, I say yes. <laughs> Um, when I was prepping for the show, I was like, okay, I need to be focused. Like I need to be able to be on and I know that I'm going to be nervous, anxious, whatever, when I step into the elevator. And so I'm going to feed my body really well for five days leading up to the pitch. And so I got really clean. I ate entirely vegan and gluten-free for five days leading up to the pitch. And I put food into my body that I know my body likes. Like it's very particular. Mine likes different things than yours likes. And it helped me. Like if I hadn't done that. Energy, everything. Yep. Energy, focus, mental acuity. It all changes when you're eating the right foods for you. And so um, it's a balance, right, between eating the food that you love and eating the food that loves you. Mm. Well, that's a nice place to wrap up, isn't it? Well, (laughs) once again, let's give you your handles on follow and share. Make sure we get those once more from you. Yep, absolutely. So LinkedIn, Instagram at Samantha Citro with a C-I-T-R-O Alexander. Um, Instagram at Bitewell Co. LinkedIn Bitewell. And send your HR people, insurance people, your mom, anyone you know to Bitewell.com. And let's improve the world's health through food together. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Pilar. You're welcome. Thank you. That was Sam Alexander from Bitewell talking about her time and Entrepreneur Elevator Pitch. From all of us at Brandstar Studios and Entrepreneur Media, thanks for listening to the Post Pitch Podcast. Please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was produced by Todd Patton and Sarah Menendez and hosted by me, Billy B. Check out all the video episodes of Entrepreneur Elevator Pitch on the Entrepreneur YouTube channel or on entrepreneur.com.